We are continuing our series as Jesus writes seven letters to the church in the last book of the Bible, the Revelation. And today we're going to talk about don't be troubled by trouble. Don't be troubled by trouble. Now, a local minister heard me give a devotional thought to a group of young ministers uh, several weeks ago on this very subject, and he took it and preached it in his church recently, and I just want you to know I'm not stealing his material. He borrowed mine. <laughs> Don't be troubled by trouble, because all of us living in the world will face trouble. Jesus promises that. Uh, not an often claimed promise, but it is in John chapter 16. Jesus promises. Now, John 16 and verse 33, we like the first word of this promise, which says, the first sentence which says, I told you these things so that you might have peace. How many people like peace? And we like the last sentence of this promise that says, take heart, I have overcome the world. How many like to overcome? It's the middle sentence. And this, this, this promise is like a sandwich. Here's the meat. In this world, how many of you, let's do a survey, how many of you are living in this world? Okay, this, this is for you then. In this world, you will have trouble. It, you're, it, it's part of natural living. And it's overcome supernaturally. So trouble is something that naturally happens that is supernaturally overcome. All of us will face trouble. One day you'll be peacefully living and an accident will happen. Like most accidents, it will be unexpected. Aren't most accidents unexpected? <laughs> and it will take your peace and shatter your peace. Maybe a literal accident. You run into something or somebody runs into you or maybe it's a trouble where somebody you thought would be with you all of your life abandoned ship and you no longer have that relationship. Maybe it's a report that a doctor gives to you, a health report, and all of a sudden trouble is there. Maybe it's they call you in at work and say, we're downsizing, we're right-sizing, and that's going to affect your life. Trouble comes. And so I want you just to be aware that it's just to remind you you're living in the world. If I told you, uh, if you want to go north from the church after we're gathered here, if you want to get up to Lakewood Ranch Boulevard, you go out and you turn right and you would go up a little bit and you'll see a big blue water tower. You can't miss it. It's a big blue water tower. And you did go out of the church and you did turn right and you drove on the road just a little bit, you would see a big blue water tower. And you'd go, oh, I'm on the right road. It wouldn't surprise you. You just know I'm on the right road. Well, if you are living life and you turn down the way, the road of life, 
you're going to run into a big blue pot of trouble. I just don't want it to shake you up too much. I want you to go, oh, there it is. I'm on the right road. Jesus said it. In this world, you will have trouble. And the letter to the second church in the seven letters we're looking at is written to a place called Smyrna, the church that gathered in Smyrna. It's in modern-day Turkey, but it would be called Smyrna in that day. Give me a good Smyrna. And and as you say the name, you kind of catch the definition of the city. It was called the city of myrrh. Can you hear that? Smyrna. And myrrh was an ancient um, aromatic substance most associated with death. That when you pass, part of the embalming process would be to be wrapped in myrrh which is so interesting that when the wise men came to Jesus when he was a baby, they brought him myrrh. But also appropriate because Jesus was born to die, and in that truth there is a sweet substance, a sweet aroma. And here's the truth to the city. This was a city that was under incredible pressure. This was a church that faced many, many troubles, even to the point of death. And he writes to them, And says, in the midst of all of this, I want to give you some truth and advice that you're not troubled by trouble, that you will make it through, that you will be victorious. And in the midst of the pressure, the death that you are facing, there is a sweet aroma of God's victory and presence that wants to accompany you when the pressure is on. So we open this book. It's in the second chapter of the revelation of Jesus Christ, that last book of the Bible. And here's the first truth that we want to unpack. That when you face trouble, remember Jesus. That's how the letter opens. When you face trouble, remember Jesus. Jesus writes to the church and he says, okay, I want you to write this letter to the angel of the church of Smyrna. This is the message, watch this, this is how Jesus describes himself. This is the message from the one who is first and is last, which is an interesting way to put it. If you were describing someone that came in first, you would say you were first or you came in first. It would sound rather strange to say you is first. Or if someone was last, it would be very strange for you to say you is last. No, no, you were last, you came in last. What Jesus is saying is, I is always with you. I is there in the beginning and I is there at the end. In fact, I is, I is in your Monday. Already Jesus is in your Monday. You're not there yet, right? You're not there. But Jesus is the first and the last, he's, he is in, Jesus is already in your march. You isn't there yet, but he is there. Jesus is already in your April. He is there because he is the first and he is the last, which means he's already in your, he's already in your April. He is in April. Jesus, God willing, is already in 2020. 
and he knows you're going to be facing some things on Monday and in March and in May, and he knows you're going to face some things in 2020, and he is already there getting ready for you. And here's what he's doing. He's working all things together for your good. He's not making everything good because how many know trouble is often not good? But he takes the trouble and he already is there working it together for your good, for your growth, for the development of your faith. He is there. So he says, I want you to know I is with you. Turn, just tell you, help me out. Tell your neighbor, he, he is with you. He is with you all the time. He, he is. And he also describes himself this way. Not only is I is you, I the one who, now here he speaks past tense, I was dead, past tense, and I is alive, is now alive. He just said, I want you to remember this. When you face trouble, remember me. I know trouble. I went to the cross. That was trouble. That was tough. I died, and yet I survived. And I want you to know I is with you, and I is the one who conquered death. I is, I is life. In the midst of your trouble, I is life. In the midst of the devil trying to kill your dream, he is bringing your dream to life. In the middle of the devil trying to kill your, de your destiny, he is there resurrecting your destiny. He is the one of life. And he overcomes death. So when you face trouble, just it won't be fatal. And even if it is, there's going to be a comeback. Because that's remembering Jesus. So he writes to this church under incredible pressure, incredible stress, and he says, I want you to know I is with you. I, I, I am with you in ways you can't even imagine. I is already in tomorrow. And I'm the one that died. Remember that. And I is alive. Remember Jesus. Second thing he sa says to that church, and he would say to us, is as we go through trouble, keep your, your eyes, your focus, your attention on the things that are important. In the midst of trouble, don't get derailed. Don't get distracted. The trouble will try to distract you. That's why the message is called, don't be troubled by trouble. Because he says, I don't want you to be distracted. Notice what he says to these wonderful people and to us as well. I know about your suffering, and if you are in the midst of trouble, he knows about it. If you are in a place of suffering, he knows about it. You may be sitting here physically this morning suffering or emotionally suffering. He knows about it. He also says, I see your poverty. I see that you are in trouble. I see that you are poor. But then he makes this statement, which sounds somewhat contradictory. Can you see it? I see your poverty, but I want to bring your attention to what is really important. I see your trouble, but I want to bring your attention to what is really important. And what's the statement that's really important? <laughs> you are rich. Now, doesn't that sound like a contradiction? I see your poverty, but I want you to know it's important that you realize in the midst of your poverty, in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of your suffering, I want to declare something over your life. You need to know you're rich. 
It's very similar to language that Joel used, the prophet Joel, when in Joel chapter 3 and verse 10, he says this statement, let the weak say, I am strong. Doesn't that sound like a contradiction? He says, you may feel weak, but I want you to make a declaration of faith. You may look weak to everyone. The enemy may be telling you you are weak. The devil may be telling you you are poor. He may be telling you don't have enough resource, but I want to make a declaration. Keep your mind and your faith and your attention on this important fact. You are rich in the midst of your trouble. If you put God first in your life, He will bless and honor you. He will bless and honor you with money. Not one amen in the house, but you could have got something right there. But I want to point this out, just so we get it straight, because the truth is here. He will honor you with money, or even better, he will honor you with things that money can't buy. And that's the truth. So these people were in poverty. Their accounts were busted. But he says, in the midst of that, I want to bring your attention to something that money cannot buy. I want you to know that in the midst of the trouble, you may be sitting here today and your bank is going down, be down, doobie down, down, down. And you could be really troubled. He's pulling your attention up to say, oh, no, no, know this. In the midst of that, believe and know that there is a wealth that you may not be focused on. And I want to pull your attention to this fact. When uh, sweet Darla Joy and I were raising our children and they were living at home, before we could really afford it, we bundled them all up and we flew them to third world developing nations. Because we wanted them to see third, they call it third world poverty. But we also wanted them to see a spiritual truth about third world joy. So this, um, this team that will be with us on Wednesday from Uganda, we've, we've packed up all our kids, we've taken them to Uganda, and uh, to our standard, to what we would look at, it would look like poverty. We have walked by houses that the only flooring they have is dirt. It's a few walls, a little roof, and a dirt floor. And as we walked by, the lady of the house was sweeping the dirt. I don't know why. But she was sweet, and she was happy that she had a dirt floor because she was singing with an incredible joy that transcended what the outer circumstance was. You may have looked at her and said, lady, you look like you're rather poor, but if you look beyond, you'd get the verse here. You'd say, lady, you are rich, because she was. So there is a richness and an abundance that no matter what the trouble is, it transcends how the world looks at riches, and it says to you in the midst of your trouble, know this, in the midst of your trouble, you are blessed. And in the midst of your trouble, you need to lift your voice and declare, I am blessed. Let's just try it out. Come on, help me out. Help me out a little bit. Help me out. I don't, you may be troubled, and it may not be for you. It may be for the person in front of you. I don't know. They may need to hear it, but help me preach this message. In the midst of whatever trouble is in this room, good, strong voice, I am blessed.
That's what he's saying. Don't, don't put your eyes on the trouble. You ever talk to somebody? How are you? And then you're afraid you ask. <laughs> oh, let me tell you. It's like the dump truck just backed up and dumped everything on me at one time. And, and, and they'll talk. So I've been in the middle of conversations. Okay, let's, let's time out. We've talked about the trouble. Now let's talk about the goodness of God. Let's talk about the fact that you are not going to go under. You're going to go over. Let's talk about the fact that God is always with you. Let's not talk about the suffering. Let's not talk about the poverty. Let's talk about this. I am rich. That's what he says to these people. And you go, wow, that's mind-blowing. But you need to focus in the middle of trouble. You've got to keep your focus on what's important. And that's what he's pulling into. You may be suffering. You may be going through poverty. But you are incredibly blessed. You are incredibly abundant. You are overcoming. In the midst of the trouble, you are overcoming. The third thing I, I'm going to say to you is not as quite encouraging. I'm just getting you ready for it because it's the way life is. That, that when you're in trouble, more is on the way. Let's survey again. Let's get back to the survey. How many of you are living in this world? Okay. Notice, notice what he says to these people who are suffering. They're in trouble. He says, um, don't, they're in the middle of suffering, but he says, don't be afraid about, what's he say? About the things you are. He's just telling them, hey, you're suffering right now? Got news for you. More is on the way. Because this is, this is and you've got to be aware of this so that you don't become broken in the midst of trouble. This is what the enemy of your soul wants to do. He wants to break you. He wants to pile on until you give up. So uh, just say if I, got, if, I, if I brought Wayne up, which I'm not going to do, or unless you encourage me to. If I brought Wayne up and I just I said, Wayne, I want you just to lay down right here. Just I'll make a little space and Wayne lays down, and then I ask for ten volunteers to just pile on. How many would like to see that? You are mean people, mean, mean people. What if I said ten is not enough? I want twenty guys. I want you, I want you to pile on Wayne, because that's how trouble is. Have you ever talked to somebody? And they just feel, it's, it's just, and this is a story, they go, it's like everything has gone wrong at once. Because what the enemy is trying to do is break you. He wants to pull you into a state of worry and fear and despair. Notice the first words that Jesus says, as he says, this is how it works. There's more coming. He says these words, these words of instruction and blessing, do not be afraid. The enemy will try to pile more and more and more until you go, I can't take it, and that may be the truth, but he can take it. And he's going to give you the strength. So he says, I want you, do not be afraid about what you are going to, some of you are going to end up in prison. Some of you are going to die, he says, but do not be afraid. Maybe you've found yourself at a cul-de-sac like God's ancient people. There just seems to be no way out of where you are. 
They were led and there was the Red Sea. That was trouble. It was right in front of them. That was trouble. They turned to the left and there was a mountain range. That was trouble. There was no way out. They turned to the right and there was a mountain range. There was no way out. That was trouble. And they looked behind them and Pharaoh's army was behind them. Trouble, 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 trouble. It looked like there was no way out. Maybe you're there. But God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And he may be piled on you, but I just want to give you a message from Jesus. Do not be afraid. Stay in faith, not in fear. Keep walking by faith, knowing that when you can't see the way out, God sees it, and he already is in the Red Sea getting ready to do a miracle because he is the one that's in the sea getting ready for you. He is with you in the deepest, darkest valley. He will see you through even when it piles up and piles up and piles up and piles up and piles up. And some of you are there right now and piles up and piles up. He says, okay, do not be afraid. Let me move to the next one because it's a little more encouraging. And it's this, that your mourning is on the way. Or I could say it like this, your mourning will take away your mourning. Your mourning will take away your mourning. Remember that Psalm, Psalm 30, that promise, that beautiful promise in Psalm 30, that weeping will endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. No night lasts forever, and trouble is temporary. It has a beginning point and an ending point. Notice what he says to these people. He says, you will suffer, and he says, for 10 days. And there's a lot of different thinking on what 10 days is. Was it 10 years under the rule of Diocletian? What was, the, was it 10 months? Was it a, lot of, a lot of debate, and I'm not exactly sure what 10 days meant for these people, but I absolutely know it didn't mean 11. Ten was on its way. You're in the midst of suffering now, and just know this, it has a beginning point, a middle point, and thanks be to God, an end. And I just want to encourage you, dear brothers and sisters, don't give up at nine. Because ten is coming. Think back over your life. Things that were big issues, huge trouble, huge trouble. And it was all-consuming. You would wake up in the morning thinking about it. You would think about it all day. You would go to bed thinking about it. The enemy trying to bring worry and fear. But that was then. The pages turned. And you hardly think about it now. Why? Because you're into a new one. I'm just reminding you of the old one. I'm just reminding you that there was a trouble. It lasted 10 days. The page turned. It's gone. And the one that you're in right now, 10 days, and it'll be gone. It's only temporary. And it's there for a divine purpose to build your faith, to make you stronger, and to bring you to the last thing we're going to talk about, and it's to bring you to victory. All of these letters are written to the church, and he wants to bring people to victory. And he says to these people, as he wraps up, he says, you can overcome. He gives them this in verse 11. Anyone 
with ears to hear. Pause. Does anyone in the house have ears? Some of you have two. Double portion, you're blessed. You got ear. I guess it's plural. Yes, ears. Okay, ears. You got ears, plural, ears. To listen to the most important voice in this room, and it's not Scott's voice. It's the voice of the Spirit. It's the voice that's trying to take your attention off of the trouble, riveted on Jesus, who is with you, who does overcome even death, who says, even though you may look to everyone else to be poor, I know that you're rich. He says that to you. And then he says, whoever, and I want to be in that crew. I want to be in the whoever crew when it comes to this verse. Whoever is victorious. How many want to be with that group? I want to be with the whoever people. I want to be with the victorious people. Whoever are victorious, who choose, who choose to look to Jesus, who choose to focus on the things that are important, who choose to understand, oh, yes, trouble is a natural part of life, but I'm going to overcome it supernaturally, who choose to understand that temporary trouble is only temporary, it only lasts 10 days, to those people, you will not be harmed, and this interesting phrase, by the second death. The second death. Well, here's how it is. These physical bodies eventually fail, and they die. That's the first death. And if you are separated from God, that's the second death which is actually worse than the first death. To be separated from God is the second death. Now, it works on the birth side as well. Um, how many of you were born? Some of you, I don't know about you. Like, I was born, 1961, I was born. Uh, May the 14th, if you want to write it down and just remember that day, May the 14th, 1961, I was born. It was Mother's Day. I arrived right on time. I was born. Then I heard about God's love and Jesus Christ. And as an early point in my life, I opened my heart to Jesus and I received Jesus. And I was what Jesus calls born again. Which means I've been born twice. My prayer is that everyone listening to this message, everyone in this room would be born twice. That you would be born the first time. You are, because I can see you. But I can't see your heart. But God does. And he knows if your heart is connected to your creator. And he's made a way for your heart to be connected to your creator through Jesus Christ. So the moment that you receive Christ and will give you an opportunity today to receive Christ, the moment you do that, you're born again. And if you're born twice you only die once. But if you're only born once, you die twice. And that's what he's warning us. He says, I want to call you to eternal life. I want to call you to not give up in the midst of trouble, to keep persevering, to keep being victorious. And understand this, that God allows trouble to come into your life so that your faith will grow. I have learned more lessons of faith in the midst of trouble than I ever did on the mountaintop. David the shepherd boy who wrote these incredible words, the Lord is my shepherd, knew what it was like to spend time in trouble. Discounted by his own family, 
What was he doing when the prophet Samuel came to anoint the next king? They didn't even invite him. Why? Because he was separated from his family. He was out in the field alone. They finally call him in and they anoint him. And then where do they send him? Back to the field alone. He learned so many lessons while he was out in the field alone, separated from his family, just out there that he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I learned lessons when I was out there and the bear came and attacked me. That was trouble. And the lion came and attacked me. That was trouble. I learned to depend on God in the midst of trouble so that when I came to the field that I saw Goliath, I knew that God would be with me because I learned the lessons when I was in trouble way out alone in the wilderness. You've got to learn your lessons in the wilderness so you can get into the promised land. That, you go, why? I'm in trouble. Things aren't... Because... Because God sees the future that he's preparing you for. And, it's, and I'll tell you this, the harder the trouble is, the more glorious the future is. So don't get real upset. I just feel, I feel like 10 guys are piled. I feel like 20 guys are I feel like I, just, I feel like I'm going under. That's because God is getting you ready for something incredibly glorious. Have you noticed that an exclamation mark is only a question mark that's been straightened out. Quit questioning God and straighten out. Quit saying, why God? Why, why, why? And start saying, praise God, hallelujah, glory to be to God. I am blessed in the middle of this. I am rich in the middle of it. The devil's not going to break me because I'm not soft wood that he can sow through. I'm solid gold. I will not be wounded. I'm going to be healed every time he cuts me. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to be, when, when the fiery darts of the enemy come, I'm going to stand. When the smoke clears, I'm still standing. Hallelujah. Let the church say amen. So when you find yourself in trouble, don't let trouble derail you. Don't let trouble pull you. Don't be troubled by trouble. Go, oh, there you are. Jesus told me I'd run into you. And Lord, I know you're going to teach me something in the middle of this trouble. I know my faith is going to be stronger after I move through this. I know that when I face Goliath down the road, he's going to be defeated because I'm learning my lesson when I pass through the valley of the shadow of death. You learn your lessons in the valley of the shadow of death so when you emerge on the other side, there is a table set in front of you in front of the enemies. And he's pouring in his goodness and his grace. So let's stand together for prayer if we could. I want to invite our prayer partners to come immediately and just prepare to pray for people and to minister to people. And I want to lead in a prayer because we always pray that 100% of the people that are here listening online, 100% of the people here would have that second birth, that would have the Spirit of God in their heart. And how does the Spirit of God get to be in your heart? You invite the Spirit of God into your heart. You invite Jesus Christ, the Son of God, into your life. 
He heals the relationship between you and God. He builds the bridge from where your life is to where your heavenly Father is. And I'm going to lead in a simple prayer. Now I'm going to invite everyone to pray it, yourself included, the person beside you and the person behind you. I'm going to ask you to pray it out loud because God loves to hear your voice. He gave you a voice so that he could hear it. And it's a, a prayer that just connects with God. Some of you will be praying this for the first time or some of you for the first time in a long time. Some of us just renewing that relationship that we have with God. Let's just talk to God in this corporate declaration of our faith. Lift your voice with all the people around you and just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name and I open my heart and my soul to Jesus Christ. I turn away from my sins and I turn towards you, Lord, to receive your love and your grace and your forgiveness, your mercy. Thank you, God, for loving me and never giving up on me. Now help me to never give up on you. Help me to follow Jesus every day of my life. Take me through to be victorious. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, 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 amen. That's a, a good prayer. We affirm that prayer. We bless you, Lord. Look this way if you would. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or even for the first time in a long time, it's so important you let us know. Our prayer partners are here. And you can walk up and say, I prayed. Or you can text and you can, we'll start a conversation just to help you. You just text in. But you're saying yes to God, just text the word yes. Yes to 941-260-1321. Just say yes. We'll know what that's about. Our prayer partners are here to pray with people who are in trouble. And let's just self-disclose. Uh, how many of you have been in trouble at some time in your life and needed prayer? Okay, all of us, all of us. We've all received prayer. It's not a, it's a, don't feel like, oh, what will, pe what will people think? We'll think, well, we've been there. All of us have received prayer. And Jesus says, don't pray alone. He says, pray with two or three people because a miracle takes place. That's what we're encouraging, that you would pray the prayer of agreement. That's why our prayer partners are here. Whatever trouble you're facing, we want to pray with you. While the prayer ministry is going forth and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are ministering, if you'd like to receive communion, and communion is taking the bread and the cup of the Lord to remember what Jesus did on the cross, that his body was broken, his life was poured out, he went into the tomb, and three days later he rose from the dead so he would be present with us today, helping us, leading us, being with us, and he is, he is here. And we remember that when we receive communion. You don't have to be a member of this church to receive communion or to receive prayer, just a friend of Jesus. If you've been here as a guest, thank you so much for coming. And let me thank the church for inviting your friends to experience the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ and just the word that God would share with them. Thank you. Keep that up, please. And on Wednesday, we've got a great opportunity this weekend, week just to bring our friends. And they will, they will just be so touched, and we want that to happen. But if you're here today as a guest, and before you leave, we'd love you to stop by the VIP room because you are a VIP, and we'd like to give you some gifts and just get to meet you. It's back on that side of the room. I'm going to pray a prayer, a blessing. And after that, there's, there's no other benediction. People will come up and pray. People will receive communion. Some will stay in worship. Some will go with the grace of God. 
I pray as you walk with the grace of God from this place, you'll know when you get out those doors, you're going to face some trouble. (laughs) But you're not going to face it alone. He's with you. And he will help you and he will teach you things that you will learn and become stronger. Don't be troubled by trouble. So I pray that the Lord will bless you and that the Lord will keep you. The Lord will cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. I pray that the God of hope will fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in God so that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I bless you in the strong, mighty, and majestic name of Jesus. And in Jesus' name, you are very blessed. And all of God's people say together, amen. Let's put our hands together and just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this service. Thank you for this worship. Thank you for this word, Lord. And come forward, please. Come forward for prayer. Come forward for communion. The worship team leads us. Night with the stars. We'll see you, those that are coming back. On Wednesday, we'll see you, those who are coming back. God bless you. We love you so much.